Hello, friends. You're not supposed to say two and one. You just go five, four, three, and then you mouth it out and then make the hand signals. But that doesn't help since we don't have a video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've watched too much newsroom. I watch too much, uh, I'm watch right now. Veep. Veep has a character on TV right now. What? Are you watching Veep? There's a character on TV? That's, that's probably true of most television. Danny. No, I mean, like, no, like, on, <laughs> on the show, he's on a show. Gotcha. It's very meta. <laughs> Lynn's like, are you, are you done? Is he a new character, or has he been existing? No, existing. Okay. I don't remember much of Veep. Or names, at least. I just remember faces. The bag boy mm. or the bag man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gary. Jonah. Uh-huh. Which one was Gary? Was Gary the bald guy? Gary was the bag yeah, man. Yeah, Gary's. Yeah. Oh, Gary's the bag man. Okay. Gary's Buster Bluth. Who? Buster Bluth. Uh, who is that? From uh, Arrested, Arrested Development. Oh, I haven't. I haven't I've, I watched the first episode of that, I think, but I haven't seen that in the, the season. Oh, my God. The, the series. People say I it's really he's good. He's the mama's boy, right? Yeah, yeah. No, Arrested Development is great. You just have to stick with it. Like most of the jokes in the show are just like self-referential. So if you just pick up at a random episode, you're not going to get. No, I started at the beginning. There's money in the hot dog stand. (laughs) That's all I remember from that. (laughs) And the what? Banana stand? It's in the banana stand. I thought it was a hot dog stand. Not a hot dog stand. Oh, no. Well, there you go. There's always money in the banana stand. That's probably why you didn't get it. Bananas are funnier than hot dogs. All right, so it's been uh, many, many months since we recorded. We did an intense off the air, an unplanned hiatus. We should talk about what happened. What did happen, Javon? One day we were just talking in group B, and we were like, "It's really hard to schedule this. We're just gonna stop, right?" Or well, did... that was after a few weeks of not being able to actually successfully schedule a single yeah. time for us all to get together. Yeah, it's hard when like one person lives on the West Coast and one person works remotely. I guess, Pam, you work remotely. Yeah, I'm full remote. Oh, cool. So just, just Javon goes into an office. Wait, how is it? How does remote make it harder to record? <laughs> it doesn't make it harder. It <laughs> makes people that go to offices, it makes it harder. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because some people go in and the network is restricted and the audio oh, doesn't yeah. record or the Dropbox upload anyway. fails. And then you're like, uh... Oh, jeez. Fingers crossed for the end of this one. But yeah, I miss talking to all of you. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So what have you all been up to in the many months? Not much. <laughs> I knew that you was can't coming. say not much. <laughs> one rule. That was my that was my one rule of podcast is don't answer a question with nothing. Nothing really. Uh, you know, some old <laughs> riveting I'm radio. Your radio. Jervon, what have you been up to since last August? Hmm. I moved. It's been a horrible experience. Uh, <laughs> so no so no more squirrels. Uh, I only got cable oh, no internet last sightings. week. Uh, so you got I've it? Been living, yeah, for like a month and a half, I didn't have cable or internet. You know, I, do, I know someone who has doesn't have internet at home on purpose. You could really? have been could have been like that person. Mm. It's hard to It's free internet. Yeah, yeah, free super cable, and that's kind of silly to turn down. Also, it's hard to unpack or do anything without some entertainment. And my speakers are also Wi-Fi speakers, so it's hard to... <laughs> I could even listen to good music or good sounding music. Started doing yoga. Pam was in my yoga studio on Sunday. Nice. Mm-hmm. She said it was good. I didn't realize how much of a yelper you are, Pam. Uh, it's kind of one of my things. So there's the, the Yelp elite, 
which is if you write enough reviews, eventually you get this nod and a little badge on your profile, and then you get invited to free stuff. Although oh, that wow. wasn't that wasn't a Yelp Elite event, actually. That was open to all Yelp. Okay. Um, so How you just have is... to have a Yelp account and a real name and photo. How many reviews do you need to qualify for Elite status? Oh, to qualify? I think it's to maintain, you need to do at least one review a month. Um, not a lot. I think I got it when I had less than 100, probably more than 50. Hmm. So does that mean most people see. don't write? I mean, well, it depends on your city. Like, it's really hard to get elite in New York. Uh, so I have been elite for seven years. I have long considered, like, making some kind of either in an app or, like, just a website on its own that is food places that I deem acceptable. <laughs> Like, like here's Justin's list. You can go anywhere on here and you will be, you will be happy. I mean, that's what I use Yelp for. Some people yeah. use Swarm for that. Yeah. I used to use Foursquare a lot. And then I, when they split off, I kind of stopped. It's still useful when you travel internationally. Hmm. There's enough people who use it that it's useful to find, you know, cool bars or cafes. Especially cafes if you're looking for places with Wi-Fi. So if I'm on, like, on Yelp and I don't go to Philadelphia often, I could and I want to eat, like, vegan food, I could, like, look at your profile and see, like, where you recommend to go? That's where I have a lot of followers um, or people who send me, like, compliments because you can get compliments up and be, like, because all of my food reviews involve the word vegan or vegetarian, so it's really easy to see what (laughs) is vegan or vegetarian at a place if you look at my reviews. Hmm. That was my my strategy was basically SEO. (laughs) When I first started, what's your top? Uh, I, what's your top recommendation for vegan food? In? Like, what's the most visited of your review? Do you know? Or... Uh, I don't think I know that. It's like on the individual level of there's like people can upvote your review. Um, they did recently show you like so of my reviews in the last ninety days. I've had almost fifty thousand views of my reviews, which is interesting. That's pretty cool that you get invited like free stuff though. Like they they give you like uh, something for your effort. Yeah, I mean it's like it's kind of nice as a kind of a, a token because it's like well the site wouldn't exist without people who actually write the reviews. Uh, Veg, a uh, a vegetarian restaurant in Philly, currently has nine hundred ninety nine reviews. That place yeah, is I amazing. Think, is I think it? my review for them was one of the was a top review at one point. If you go there, you should get the pretzel. Also, you can, oh my god, the pretzel. <laughs> it's so good. What about the pretzel? It, well, it's rutabaga fondue. So they make fondue out of rutabagas. I I used to not like rutabaga because um, we would buy pies at this farm in, in New Jersey. And they would be like, uh, I don't know, like cherry and rutabaga pie or like blueberry and yeah. rutabaga pie. Yeah, I mean, rutabaga pie is... It's because you add a ton of sugar to it. I like this because this is it, it's savory. It seemed like kind of like a like a like a not great filler for like just putting more fruit in it. But now we've uh, from our CSA we've been getting rutabaga the past few weeks and it's been really good. Like we've been putting it in stews and um, and uh, Beth made a um, like the strawberry salsa out of it. It was really good. So I'm, I'm pro rutabaga now. Maybe instead of a Turing complete a podcast about programming, we could be Turing complete a podcast about food reviews. It's, I mean, it's, 
uh, I was thinking that we have to reach our check marks of we talk about vegan food. We haven't talked. We talked about TV, and we haven't talked about CrossFit yet. Oh, I wanted to ask you about. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's finish with Jervon's <laughs> update. <laughs> hmm. Work-wise, I've been doing mostly operations stuff, so no no programming really. And I was speaking at QCon in June. Wow. What are you speaking on? That's uh, Elixir. Building resilient systems with Elixir. Awesome. So it should be a good talk. Um, what else? Uh, I guess I could mention I went to Bang Bang Con. It was probably one of the best conferences. I didn't know you went. Conferences I've been at. Yeah, Comcast sponsored, so they sent us. Um, oh, that's smart of them. Good for them for sponsoring. And, I couldn't uh, go this year because I had a wedding. So Bang Bang Con is, I guess this year it was two days. <clears throat> and it's a series of uh, maybe like, so it's like 10 minute talks, but they do them in like four each chunks. It is in fact so exactly like, 10 minute talks. All the videos are online so you get now. So like four 10 minute talks. Yeah. But they release them by day. Uh, so it's, you have to watch all of them at once, kind of. Or skim through. Um, oh, the videos so are all just it. one large video. Yeah, so day one and day two. But all the talks mm. were very good quality and the speakers were just amazing. Um, no one really had their laptops out because since each talk was 10 minutes, if you maybe didn't like it, you didn't have to pay, like, feel like you had to, you were losing time or, and all the speakers kept you engaged and stuff like that. So, highly recommend it. If you want to go to a conference in New York, that's cheap. That's it. So, Pam, what have you been up to since August? So, since August, I did my October abroad. I spent, I think, almost all of October. I did a vacation in France and then went and worked remotely in Edinburgh and London. Mm. That sounds pretty cool. That was, yeah, it was really cool. It kind of burnt me out on travel a bit. Um, I managed to overdo it. I wanted to go home, and but I was abroad and not here. Um, I mean, it was great. I have a, a lot of friends in London, and so it was hanging out with them for a nice extended period of time uh, and running around London a lot. And then I went to my first GDE summit in November, the Google Developer Expert thing. That was interesting. Is that only for uh, experts or? Yeah, the there's a GDE summit. It's usually around some other Google event. Like the GDE summit in November was right next to Chrome Dev Summit. So if you wanted, you could go to both. I had too much work to do, so I did not go to both. Um, most of my what I did is I usually I kind of centered around travel. I've, I travel a lot. Went to Mexico in February. It's cool. New Orleans in January beach in december oh my god are all these workations or strictly vacations no um the a kind of mixture like i worked a bit in december on the beach uh mexico i actually took a real vacation that was nice real vacations a plus and then now lately my life for travel has been i'm having a wedding year so i have five weddings this year two of which i am in and I have two down and three to go. You're at that time in life where there are a lot it's of weddings. Just a lot of weddings, yes. I and feel I, like I there's mean, a I certain age. It is, and it is my age. Um, so, I mean, 
I love weddings, but it just feels, it kind of makes me bummed out that a lot of my travel is not by my choice, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, like, I'm going to Indiana this weekend for a wedding. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I love, I love my friend, and, you know, I love her to death, and she has chosen to live in Indiana, uh, and whatever, <laughs> but... But it's still Indiana. Wouldn't be the first on my list. But yeah, I mean, I, I've also been really digging what I've been working on with serverless and uh, AWS Lambda. Google Cloud Functions is in beta now, which is exciting. I need to do some more work with that. Um, I have yet another IO Internet of Things kit that I should actually <laughs> do something with. Actually, I saw in the box. I haven't even unop- I haven't even unwrapped the box. Uh, it has a camera module. So one of the things I'm thinking about, Justin, I don't know if you've done this because hmm. maybe you have. Well, I know other people who have, but made your own automatic cat feeder because all <clears throat> the reviews on the internet for the ones that exist have a really terrible rating distribution. Like it's a <laughs> it's a, a flat lying rating distribution, which is bad. Yeah. You know? Like a, a that should not be the rating distribution. You want like, uh, you know... You want, like, there to be a peak somewhere so that you know kind of what it is, but a flat line distribution is really terrible. It's like, this will inconsistently maybe work great or maybe not work great at all. <laughs> we uh, so. we have one. I have not built my own. Uh, I've thought about it, but every time I looked into it, it seemed, like, really difficult. <laughs> um, we have one we built on Amazon called the Petmate Le Bistro. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. And... It's it's great, except that uh, our one cat is really smart and keeps figuring out ways to steal the food out of it. So when yeah, we first got see, it, that's the thing is people buy it and then yeah. So the first, when we first got it, there's like a bowl that attaches, so she would like pull on that, and then the entire thing would go up and down and shake, and then food would fall out. And then she, I took that off, and then she was able to like lift her paw up. Um, so then we put in these different cardboard inserts to prevent her from doing that. And then she would uh, kind of like we had it on a on a tray, so she would like pick the entire tray up with her teeth, which would lift the feeder up too, and then drop it. So at some point, I had like a, a ratchet strap around the feeder and the tray with a piece of plywood, and then a weight on top of it to hold it down. And then finally, what I did was uh, when we moved here, um, I built a box that the feeder sits in. Um, that then has like a little chute in the bottom and the chute's like really small, just like uh, like a quarter inch, maybe like a half inch high and then like six inches across so you can't fit her paw up there. Um, and the feeder sits in there and it's completely enclosed. Um, and that so far has been uh, successful. <laughs> but there was like two years where like we went back and forth like trying different things and then she would figure out how to defeat it. Um, although I haven't built a lid for this thing yet. So now she's been sitting on top of it, trying to reach her paw down from the top. Um, but she doesn't; she's not able to get food out that way, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, I have seen some cool... Somebody wrote one in Elixir, I thought. Um, There's a few. Like, Rachel White has one. I think that's what I'm thinking of. I'll drop that in the links. Um, so yeah, it seems like a cool project. I, too, have a lot of Internet of Things things that I have not... I buy them and then I put them in my drawer and then I never touch them. 
We don't want to miss this cat litter conversation. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, so I get cat litter delivered because <laughs> it is worth it to me to not have to schlep cat litter like four blocks from the store to my house. This RoboKitty site is cool because the background is like a gradient that changes very slowly. And, and there's also a gif of a kitty eating out of a box, <laughs> a out of a, a pet feeder. Cat gif. And there's also the URL is imcool.online. Slash RoboKitty. Oh, that's Robo-Kitty. the I was I was very afraid when you started saying that the cat litter website background gradient changes. No, no, no. I, this is the, the robot kitty thing. It's a very... No, the, cat, the cat litter website uh, is, is Chewy.com. It's w- like a dedicated... C-H-E-W-Y. Just one W. Yeah. It's like, it's just a word. It's not a special startup word. Oh, okay. It's basically just dedicated Amazon for pet stuff with with auto shipping as one of their top things even though obviously amazon does that too but we tried a couple times to get like um natural cat litter or like flushable cat litter Mm -hmm. and uh our cats are addicted to the whatever it is the things that are worse for the environment yeah like the um fresh step has like this really like fragrant baking soda whatever compound and if we like switch out from that they just poop outside the litter box well, is that is that what's new for you, Justin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cat poop all day long, all day every day. Speaking of today is on my, I, I have a wonderless re- recurring reminder every two days to clean the litter box. One of my Internet of Things projects that I have not done yet was the um, the litter boxes in the basement, which is out of sight, out of mind. So it's hard to remember to re- to clean the litter box without some kind of like reminder, unless I do it like every day as part of my routine. Um, so what I was thinking would be cool if there was a button next to the litter box that when you pushed it, it reset a timer and then upstairs, like near the basement door or somewhere upstairs, there'd be some kind of indicator light that would either, um, turn on or turn color from like green to red, depending on how long it's been since you cleaned the cat litter. How is this better than Wonderlist? Uh, just because it's anybody in the house can see it. Like it's just, it's a very, uh, mm. I don't know what the word is, perception or... Like, if you it was in your a, living room, it would be obvious that the cat litter smelled. But if it's in the basement, it'd be cool if there was, like, a light that would be had the same effect of, like, hey, this is dirty. You should go clean it. It's been two days. You should do an Alexa app so Alexa could know that, hey, you need to clean the litter. And she could say, hey, Justin, clean the litter. And if you haven't replied, Alexa, clean the litter. And anyone walks but Alexa by. Only, or... yeah, but Alexa only does that. You can only, you can only ask Alexa things. You, it won't tell you things. Hmm. Huh? Alexa won't like out of nowhere just start talking to you. You need to ask it. And I don't want to like ask it every day. Hey, Alexa, do I need to clean the litter oh, box today? <laughs> you know that uh, that is supposed to be a new feature in Google Assistant. Oh yeah, Google's uh, voice assistant seems really cool. Um, so even if yeah, you have I like have a reminder now. thing, it's the it's the second one that I've gotten. You too? Because well, no, like oh. they gave me one once and I gave it away, and then they gave me another one, and then <laughs> I, like, I decided please, to try it. Please keep this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it doesn't support reminders yet because I I did try and ask it a bunch of stuff and it's like I can't do that yet. Um. But that's. The reviews seem to indicate that it has more natural voice processing than Alexa. Like Alexa's is very template based, whereas Google's actually understands what you're saying. Yeah. Um. 
And it, uh, yeah, because you can say a permutation of something and it'll, um, one thing that's kind of cool is if you say like, hey, play this song, it'll, like, even if you get the name of the song wrong because you like, you know the thing where you like pick up some of the lyrics and you're like, that's the name of the song, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, it'll still play the right song, hmm. which is kind of neat. Um, that's one thing I've seen it actually working. You can build apps for it. I've heard it's very limited. But yeah, I, I want um, I want a, hey, have you fed the cats? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can know if the cats are fed. Because we, as yet, do not have an automatic feeder. And so I have to keep track of whether my husband has fed the cats or not. I really don't think I'm comfortable with my AIs starting conversations with me. Just out of the blue. The, so the example that they used in the uh, Google I.O. keynote that was kind of useful was like, hey, you need to leave, you know, in 10 minutes because traffic is heavier than normal for the thing that I know that you're going to. My phone does that, yeah. but it, w- it would be another problem I have with like overall, like any voice assistant is that it's especially like a home based one is the accounts are usually tied to a single like it assumes you are one person. And like in a family, like there's not a way to like. I feel like you're turning into a Google commercial because are you aware that Google recognizes multiple voices? Does it? That's really cool. Yeah, because like Alexa, fingerprints and like it can tell me apart from Mike. Alexa, you can like set up. Um, you can set up where where you work essentially, so you can like ask Alexa how the traffic is, which which works well for. Uh, me and my wife because I work from home so I don't go anywhere so she can ask the traffic and then but like if you tie it to other things like your calendar or your email like it assumes that you only have like one account for those things um I have the same problem with iPad uh being like a family device and not being tied to a single person that's a separate issue um I really wish Apple would make a voice assistant because I I mean they have Siri but like the hey Siri works terribly hey (laughs) well it doesn't work that terribly (laughs) If it's on my desk, you know, 12 inches from me. Hi, Justin. But no, I, multiple times, like, I'll be, like, getting dressed in the morning or doing something, like, chore-wise, and I'll, I'll say the HS phrase, uh, and then it, it won't respond. And then I'm, like, frustratingly, like, hey, Siri, hey, Siri, hey, Siri, trying to change my voice to get it to recognize it. Alexa yeah. always recognizes me. You probably just turned on somebody's A word. Okay, Google. So is that uh, your update for the latter half of 2016, Justin? <laughs> Me? Are we done with Pam? Yeah, I'm fine. Although you remind me that I wonder if we ever... Something between when we talked and now might be that uh, the the Twitch stream of a Google Home... Uh, like, I think it was Google Homes or Alexa's talking to each other. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I was, that was the best day of my life. And they were like, are you God? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I lost two hours watching those bots. <laughs> that was pretty good. Amazon just released Amazon Lex, which is a uh, like API to do conversation in your apps, and they have a chatbot challenge. You can win ten thousand dollars if you enter. I I have like tried a few chat based apps that do things, and I think it makes sense from a conversational perspective. Like I'm talking to th- something in my kitchen, like it should understand what I'm saying and respond. But like in an app, like there was that news app called um, is it Q or something? Uh, it would like it was like a like a message conversation, and then you would it would like tell you about the news, and then you could click two responses and like talk to it. But it was so much slower than actually just like re- opening a news app and reading the news. I think I think people are overdoing chatbots. I think that trend is hopefully fading. 
That is part of my update for last year. But <laughs> chatbots. Oh god, I never want to talk about chatbots again. <laughs> yeah, it's so slow. It's so onerous to type to, and it's so much easier to click. Did any of you read that uh, "Wait But Why" article about Elon Musk's uh, neur- neural brain machine interface startup? What? Uh, so, <laughs> no. among Elon I, Musk's, I mean, does Elon Musk just uh, pick like the keywords out of sci-fi movies on IMDb <laughs> and then say, you know, is anyone willing to take, you know? Fifty million dollars to work on this. Well, as as this article points out, like a lot of his business ventures are like, how do we prepare humanity for the future? Um, and then he also believes the only way to like actually accomplish that is through you know capitalist corporate means. So he like makes a business that is profitable that will eventually improve technology for for the future. So. The this article is really good if you haven't read it. I forget what the exact title of it, but if you go to wait waitbutwhy.com, I'm sure it's like the first one or two articles. Um Well you'll you'll have to find it and drop the link in I, the show notes. I shall. Um <laughs> But essentially there are we currently have uh brain machine interfaces for things like um like co- cochlear implants, I think they're called, co- cochlear. Um where people like their ears don't work but their their brains would be able to hear and there's um so they like you ever see people with like that microphone in their back of their head attached to their scalp? Um, that's a brain machine interface. And then there are other brain machine interfaces for other similar things, help people with disabilities. So he's starting a company to essentially like push the technology of those forward. And there's a lot of really, um, you know, leading people in that industry um, that are on board. Um, but the article essentially went into like the far, far future of, they called it a, um, a, a magic wizard hat that you would, have some kind of device or hat or something that like would increase the bandwidth between your brain and a computer so that instead of um like right now when we when we type things we're limited by you know on our phone like our our two fingers and this tiny 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 keyboard or on our computer we're limited by how fast we can type and like use a uh, an interface on a computer and when, when I'm talking to you right now, like I'm, I'm expressing this idea of something that I saw and I can only talk so fast and you can only hear me if I, if I talk, you know, at a certain speed, um, that is like the bandwidth of our communication. But if we had this, you know, magic wizard hat, we could increase our bandwidth so that transferring ideas from like my brain to your brain, uh, could be much, much faster. Um, and essentially the other, the other part of this is that we, People are worried about creating this like super intelligence, like AI that it will, you know, Terminator scenario will like take over humans and enslave them and whatever. Um, that one way to prevent that is if we become the AI, if we are, if we create this like vast um, supercomputer of like essentially like all of our brains. Uh, it was really interesting to 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 read this article and and think about it and learn about it. Uh, it's a very, very long article. It took me like a week to read, uh, you know, 15 minutes here and there. So besides reading that article, what have you been up to <laughs> in 2016, Justin? Uh, not much. <laughs> hey But um, Can you do the soundboard for me? Oh, I, oh my God, my mouth is ready. <laughs> Thank you. Um, don't, don't crash your Mac again. Lunch. <laughs> Uh, so working at HashiCorp, I am working on a project to extract Vagrant Cloud 
out of Terraform Enterprise, which I'm, which is going really well. Um, so if you are a Vagrant user, expect that whole experience to get better over the next few months, I guess. Um, and yeah, currently, right now, I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking about... So for work, I've been doing a little bit of Bootstrap CSS, which, which Len yelled at me for. Um, but I did some research. It's still the most popular framework, and, and one of the goals is to like make uh, this project as maintainable as possible by anybody. Uh, so it seemed like a good idea to use the most popular CSS framework. I was researching this morning. Apparently, Bootstrap 4, which is not out yet and has been like in development for a really, really long time right now, um, is going to support Flexbox. Um, so that seems Welcome cool. to the future. Yeah. Um, well, but apparently, like IE nine doesn't support Flexbox though. So, like, anyway, oh, nothing about CSS. IE eleven doesn't truly support Flexbox either. But uh, recently, in, in personal projects, I I was writing some JavaScript uh, last week for Google Sheets, Google App Scripts. Uh, so for for spreadsheets, it's kind of cool. You can write JavaScript functions which take Essentially, like any any function you write is the same as like a function you'd use in a in a, in a spreadsheet, and then each argument just comes through the same way. Um, if you give it a range as an argument, it comes through as an array, like a two dimensional array. Um, and then same thing with the return value. Like anything you return will be displayed in the cell, but if you return an array, it will fill in the cells below it. And if you return a, a nested like two dimensional array, it will fill the cells down and right. Um, so all that was for I wanted an easier way to make workout plans, and I was pretty happy with it. Um, the JavaScript that it supports is not very cutting edge, so I had to like do some weird stuff. Es Es twenty eleven, Es four. I don't know. Uh, what and else? Since we recorded, you you started CrossFit and stopped CrossFit. I, no, I still do CrossFit. Oh, but you built out Justin your home is gym like a and now. workout plans. So I think remember remember that time that CrossFit was you know a blog worst. that people could follow on the internet and not a thing that you had to pay 250 dollars a month to go somewhere and throw things so the the reason that crossfit works i believe so the, keep in mind this is the same person talking to you that like a little over a year ago was like why would i want to do strength training that sounds terrible why would i want big muscles and len was like that's not how it works and i was like <laughs> and me and pam were like no len whatever we were right <laughs> Uh, and then we're like, then, have, we're like, Len, have you seen Len? <laughs> like, <laughs> it builds big muscles. <laughs> so I, I believe that CrossFit works because CrossFit is um, the. It's a really great way to introduce people to barbell work, who have not been exposed to it through other means. And I think that most people that know how to use a barbell, um, that did not enter fitness through through CrossFit usually learned how to use a barbell from like high school football, which, you know, I did not participate in. And if I think about it, like all of my friends, all the people I know that played football in high school or did like some kind of like sport in high school know how to uh, work out with a barbell. And most people that, you know, did not, were not exposed to that do not. So I think that uh, CrossFit is really great for expanding like um, strength training with a barbell and also like uh, weightlifting to a wider audience. Uh, so I think it's really great at that. Um, and then, yeah, I also, uh, put a gym in our house, which is really cool. <laughs> I'm pretty, um, I'm like quite jealous of it. Thank you. Uh, I, and yeah, I, I, I like, I like going and, and CrossFit seems expensive, but if you were to go to a, 
if you were to do a similar workout where you're where you're doing strength training with you know heavy weights um and then doing a they call it like a, the wad or like the metcon um workout with like a personal trainer you would be spending a lot more money on personal training sessions and even if you like went to a gym and only got a personal trainer like once a week or once every two weeks you'd still probably be spending a similar amount the city is a little different like i i spent 125 dollars for three days a week which is enough for me um but i have seen like in in metropolitan areas it's a lot more expensive um <laughs> yeah it gets a lot more expensive yeah um I so jealous of 25. suburb suburb crossfit also len was jealous of like our gigantic gym because we have tons of tons of land out here <laughs> It's not in a basement. You learn to control your barbell. It's not a lot in a basement. better when there's somebody like right in front of you. Yeah, and we have like ropes that go really high, and I have not climbed them yet. But um, Pam, I saw you doing. Uh, I don't know if it was January or February, but you were doing. Uh, you went. You like worked out like every day for a month, right? Yeah, that was, that was cool. January, and then in March I did a another fitness challenge because if you got like so many. There was like a heart rate monitor involved. It was it's really hard to explain to be honest. Is it um, Arnold's theory? No, it was through my gym for through City Fitness. They did this My City Moves Philly thing. I can drop a link about it because if like uh, people want to figure out what it was, but it was it was a heart rate monitor thing. And if you got so many things, you got into a raffle for five thousand dollars. And so oh, considering cool. considering it required a goodly amount of work. Um, I was in the top 50 in the challenge of like a few hundred people um, where the people who were number one, like in the top 10 were people who worked out probably four hours a day, um, like high intensity cardio. That's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, like not something you can do if you were just, you know, randomly decided to do it. That's definitely people who know what they're doing. But, uh, but yeah, so I've been doing a bunch of fitness competitions. And then I traveled a bunch in the last month and haven't have like I've been lifting weights at the gym and I like lost a bunch of my strength. <laughs> and you I went to, to drop, the reason I, had I to drop down weight. You went to CrossFit the too reason, like, during your during your month streak, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried it out. I went to to Len's favorite place, CrossFit Center City. But it was a uh, gymnastics class you went to. No, it was the the intro. Oh, okay. The basics. They have a uh, gymnastics classes there too. Yeah, I've wanted to do that. Um, I want to. One of my life goals is to be able to do a back tuck. What is that? Um, like like if you were standing, mm-hmm. like if you're standing, you're just flipping, standing there, and then you just do a flip. Oh, that's okay. a back tuck. It's easier than a front tuck. That's why it's my goal. I can do one on a, on a diving board or on a trampoline. See, so I've never done one. Uh, I, I someone told me that he just went to a a gymnastics gym and rented an hour with a tutor, and then he learned to do one. Oh so my god! I might try that, but it's also like he also benefits from having more testosterone than me. So <laughs> um, that's a thing. CrossFit's also cool because they have they do like uh, integrate a lot of um, gymnastics type movements into into the workouts. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of gymnastics stuff. Um, I'm thinking about doing an online program for flexibility through one of them um if anyone has recommendations or you people you know people who've done one of these you know like these online programs for i think you know what i mean yeah i i have not done any but on um the but they aren't that expensive like it's like a hundred bucks but it's like on the would i actually do it on the body weight fitness reddit there's a bunch of yeah there's a ton of yeah and there's a flexibility reddit too nice so 
But I don't know. I think it's, it might be that thing where if I pay for it, then I might do it. Like, I, I pay for a meal plan, and I'm pretty dedicated to this meal plan. I need uh, I need a class environment. Um, mm. I also I also signed up for a weightlifting coach and then spent two months doing that, and then I quit. Um, weightlifting being the two Olympic lifts, um, the, the clean and jerk and the snatch, um, versus powerlifting, which is squatting, deadlifting, and bench pressing, which I'm not really – I don't like bench pressing. Um, I, I got a weightlifting coach and I tried that for a little while, um, but it wasn't really like a class environment, so I didn't do it as much. It's so awkward. It's not fun. I was going to say the thing that I like about CrossFit, uh, it's just like a little bit of the competitive, like the friendly competitive nature, like you're not going to be best in the gym, but there's usually like a handful of people, you know, are in the same range of you and you're kind of motivated to like, not let them at least lap you. Like, people I can always do say that, but a I, few I, different I, workouts. Oh, really? You've always told me that, but I, that's like my least favorite part of CrossFit is like the competitive part. <laughs> oh, seriously? Yeah, I can. I mean, I can do several like CrossFit workouts in the gym in my building, but when I go down there and get everything out, I start and it's just like, okay, this this hurts. This is stupid. I'm just gonna go back upstairs and like play some Zelda. Like this sucks. <laughs> it just, <laughs> so it does, I'll do that. <laughs> it does feel good though, like to to spend like I spent like a a lot of months. Uh, working on squat strength and then like during our strength session in the beginning um out of the you know dozen or so guys there i'm like in the top one or two people that are squatting it always feels good it's like you put in the work and then it uh it's paying off uh yeah so that is your 2017 oh yeah and i wanted to say that my my goals uh all include being able to do a, a handstand uh not against the wall nice. also a handstand oh. walk would be cool i mean you can do a handstand not against the wall. You might just fall down. <laughs> that's that's the problem. <laughs> you you got to have a goal for I that. can help I you still... reach this. I can, for a low price of $50, I can help you reach this goal today, Justin. Do you do you travel to the suburbs? Uh, no, we can, I can do a remote coaching over Skype. People have said, like, uh, again, on like the Bodyweight Fitness Reddit, I think, was like, um, do nose and toe facing the wall handstands first yeah i which, was i was reading theirs which really scared me because then i feel like i'm gonna fall like on my back oh no you definitely won't okay well you also have to learn to roll like too. that would be impressive also well so that's also not a big deal so i can i have a lot of back flexibility so if i fall from a handstand i fall if i fall backward i fall into a bridge hmm. so yeah. that's not a big deal for me because i have enough back flexibility that it's just okay that's fine um because I'll just bend my back. But depending on you, you might not have that flexibility. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to do a strict muscle up. Which is like on the rings where All you right, pull yourself fitters. up. And then... Jervon <laughs> <laughs> does yoga. I got to... Yeah. I got to bounce. I, I have a job. Uh, um, what are those like? Bye, Jervon. We- yeah, see you, Jervon. Yeah, so my year... It was pretty much of a might as well just wipe it off the board. I came kind of came around full circle, um, both with my editor, which is actually the most important thing. I went to uh, Space Max, <laughs> and I never got as good at Space Max as I was in Vim. Uh, and then I started using Flow in my React stuff. I actually became a strongly typed convert, at least for JavaScript and React. I gave a workshop at Codemash about React, and more often than not. The problem everybody had was like a typo that would have been caught with a type checker. Like if I would have just at least even just made them like use prop types, like almost everybody's problem was something with that. 
Uh, and I think, especially in React, like the architectures involve so many small functions passing around objects. And if you're not verifying the types of the inputs and outputs, like that is the source of a lot of bugs. Uh, and it's hard, like I think there's just less unit testing because there's so many little components that do so few things. So yeah, long story short, I started using Flow and then I kind of wanted Flow to work in my editor because if I'm gonna annotate types and uh, methods, I might as well be able to see those in my editor. Uh, and that is not a thing that can work in SpaceMax. There's a pull request with like 100 comments and even a bounty, there's like $300 bounty if somebody actually makes this work in SpaceMax. Uh, it's still sitting on GitHub. Uh, so then I switched to Atom. I'm uh, on Atom Editor. You're on Atom Editor. Mm-hmm. Atom Editor with Vim bindings. Ah, yes. It's my it's actually, the best combination. The Vim bindings are pretty good. Uh, I do wish like I could. I have to use the mouse to like click on the file tree. Uh, no, you can do a Command T or P or. Yeah, but if I wanted to like actually explore it, like explore the hierarchy of files. Oh, oh, instead of Nerd Tree. Uh, I use Control P and Vim and Nerd Tree. Yeah. I don't really use Nerdtree that often. So I went to Adam for the flow, and then I kept adding more and more plugins, and then it basically got really bloated and weird buggy things happened with the UI. And I've actually started switching back to Vim. So after two years of a long, circuitous route, I'm doing the same editors I did um, two years ago. <laughs> I still use Vim. I still like it, except that every time I add a new... Uh... A new thing, uh, I break my autocomplete somehow. Wait, how do you do that? Like every every time I add like a, a framework or a language or something, like if I were to add flow, right? I assume that it gives you suggestions for types and things. Yeah. Um, adding that to uh, you know pop up automatically or or tab complete uh, almost always interferes with all of my other tab completions. I'm not sure. I don't understand how all that stuff in Vim works, I guess, which is probably part of the problem. But every every plugin that is like, if there was like a flow plugin for Vim, I assume that it would say like, hey, you know, install this. And then if you want auto-completion, install this other thing. But like every every language or whatever suggests to install a different auto-complete plugin um, or a different, in a different way. And it's hard to get all of them to always work in, in the same way. Yeah. Maybe I should have stick to Ruby. It's <laughs> a good strategy. <laughs> Uh, and then on the work front, uh, so last year I started at a startup. I was, uh, it's called Maslow. I was pretty excited about the product. I wasn't so excited about the technology. And I had looked them up on Crunchbase and it had said they raised $10 million the month before I started. So you were so, like, sounds good. Should be fine. Should be fine. Yeah. Uh, turns out they just posted it that month. They actually raised it a year and a half earlier. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, about halfway through the year, we pivoted to a product I was much less excited about, uh, but started using technologies I was much more excited about. So after two pivots, uh, we actually shipped like three different apps. Uh, we actually had a React Native app in the store. It was a chat application. It involved a lot of chatbots, Justin. <laughs> um, <laughs> turns out we didn't really have a plan to make money with it, and we ran out of money uh, in February. And I started the job hunt, which is miserable. And I think we should do a whole nother episode about whatever is happening in the job hunting world, because it's not like I remember it at all. You know, I mean, it's always a good topic. Um, is there anyone you can think of who would be interesting to bring as a guest for that? Well, don't you have a book on 
Yeah, I do. But it's interesting that you say that it feels so different, though, because like, like I kind of accidentally got my current job. Oh, really? Through like kind of my like basically kind of the techniques that I describe. (laughs) Yeah. So the disconcerting thing for me is I've always felt confidence that, you know, if I was not even remotely happy somewhere, I could just leave and just get another job. Yeah, you could just bounce. No, I mean, I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Last 15 years. Uh, that is not my experience now. I mean, my frankly, do you average. think it's because you're older? Uh, I think that could be part of it. I, I think that's, I think that's something that I obviously haven't run into yet. And so, um, yeah, one, I don't know. One, one thing I did do in, in the 2016 is stop dyeing my hair. So my hair is actually like 70% gray. So now I cannot hide my, my true age of being almost 40. <laughs> you should. Um, it's, I hear it's cool to go all silver, though. Yeah. Like, I see a bunch of like 21-year-olds dyeing their hair silver. Yeah, so if I dye the red, like that last twenty percent of my black hair silver, then it just can look like I'm just like being one of the cool kids again. Yeah, good strategy. But I've I've heard uh, similar things from like other friends and younger friends and people who are like trying to slyly look on the on the down low for jobs. Um, and yeah, people are just like they're pickier. They're fewer jobs. I mean, I've gotten several rejections, which I'm not used to, like at places I actually interviewed at. And I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's <laughs> Um, well, but yeah, I guess we should do an episode on it. But like you applied to jobs. I applied. I did like one of them. I did 16 hours worth of interviewing and homeworks and got a rejection. And it wasn't even the rejection. That's like, we're going to go with somebody else. It's like, oh, you know what? We're just going to like repost the job listing. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of brutal. So yeah, that's been my year. But I'm back to... Where I was last year, using Vim, looking for jobs. <laughs> <One time. laughs> that could be a part of my problem too. Is, Wait, does that mean if you get a of... if you get a 2016 do over, does that mean it, that we can get one in general? Because I would be interested in that. <laughs> yeah. Can undo. We, can we can we undo 2016? That would Sounds be cool. 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 <laughs> I don't know if the un- undo buffer goes back that far. Oh, that's true. You only get like like 20 spaces or something, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, let's do a job episode. So, uh, do you want to do that next episode? I could do that next episode. Yeah. Okay. We can plan that next episode, and then um, now that we're we can we can ask our listeners jobs jobs. Now that we've popped up back in your podcast feed, hopefully that send us suggestions on Twitter at Turing Cool. I'm excited to see if my automatic tweet function actually works. Oh yeah. I built that, and then we stopped recording. So not doing picks is weird to transition to the end of the show. <laughs> no, I well, I mean, it's season two. It's new rules, you know? New rules. So we can try not picks if people rebel and say we should bring them back. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we can also talk just like for a second about kind of the plan for season two, just that we're going to record, record three a- times a week. <laughs> and we're going to have a different topic and guest at, every time. At five in the morning for Len. <laughs> and no, but we'll we'll record a, a solid season of episodes, and then we'll take a break so that we don't burn out like we did last time. Mm-hmm. So we will not be like season one and have ninety episodes. And yeah, I still kind of like the idea of season zero. I mean, I get why you want season two, Len, and it's fine. But I like because it is the first season. It's season and, zero. Yeah, and, and we can be a zero index podcast. Yeah, you know. <laughs> 
zero indexing is not uh is not natural it's not normal mm. it's not it's not uh i mean i guess, is... I guess natural is the word i'm looking for it's not good ux well is zero a natural number uh you can't have zero of anything you have to just have none you can so have if, no if we had no seasons then season zero would be no- nothing right yeah, getting the zeroth um, thing of something. Like, zero me, is g- a natural number. I had to Google it. It is? Yeah. I don't math. It's either what? a positive integer, which in- which is one and up, or a non-negative integer, which is zero, which includes zero. So, ah, uh, okay. So in number theory, zero is not a natural number. In computer science and in set theory, it is a natural number. Hmm. So if we're going to be zero indexed, that that means this is season one, episode zero. <laughs> yeah, my my vote is uh, start everything at one. But or we could we could be really like techy and make this season two point oh. Mm-hmm. Now in beta. <laughs> now in beta. Two dot o dot o dot pre one. <laughs> if we can get Turing dot io, we probably cannot. I imagine actually. Yeah, that's like one of the ones that like IO is now one of the things that gets squatted really easily. Oh, it's actually the Turing School. Oh, that's a, is that a boot camp? Turing School of Software and Design. I think so. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that does it for uh, season one, episode zero or season two, episode one. Follow us on Twitter at Turing Cool. Show notes are at Turing.cool. And I'll talk to you all in two weeks. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye.